Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Hi guys, it's time for another Cosmopolitan.com happy hour, the happiest hour of the week or something like that. This week we are talking about women and self-promotion, subtitle, should we all be narcissists? I love narcissism. I'm just going to come right out of the gate and say that. That's why I wanted to do this topic. Um, But I'm here with Amy O'Dell, the editor of Cosmopolitan.com, Patty Greco, who is our entertainment director and works with celebrities who are expert self-promotional promotion promoters, there we go, expert self-promoters all the time, and Karina, I just realized I don't know how to say your last name. It's Shay. 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 Okay, Karina Shay. Sorry about that. My mind was just blown. My (laughs) mind was blown, too. Karina Shay, who um, just graduated from college, so she's representing the super millennial set, just graduated and joined the Cosmo team, Um, and is also a sort of former budding Instagram star herself, so we're going to talk about that a little later. But um, I wanted to dive right into talking. One of the reasons this topic was on my mind was because, Amy, you just wrote a you wrote an op-ed for Business of Fashion where you were sort of talking about this idea of the Instagram stars, which is this very, you know, new sort of in the last five years idea that people are making their entire careers based on the pictures they post to Instagram. Um, and you, I thought your essay was really interesting because you talked about sort of feeling a little eye-rolly about this in the past and right. sort of feeling differently about that now and sort of feeling a little more like, okay, props to these girls. Can you talk a little bit about how your opinion of that changed? Right. So I wrote this op-ed for Business of Fashion, Peg to Fashion Week, which just wrapped up in New York, which we talked about on our inaugural podcast last week, which was exciting. But um, you know, I think that this phenomenon of the internet celebrity is still pretty new. Um, even though it kind of is starting to feel old because that kind of thing gets to feel old really quickly. Um, You know, people haven't been stars just because of their internet presence for a very long time. And when they burst onto the fashion scene, I think there was a lot of eye rolling because it was just like, you're just here to get your picture taken and that's it and that's gross. Right, Um, opposed to people like you who are there working as journalists or a traditional fashion editor who has worked her way up to sort of be at those shows. Now you have people bursting on that are saying, like, I'm just here to get my picture taken. Right, exactly. Because in the fashion world, anyway, the way that it works historically, or, I mean, it doesn't work this way anymore, but you would have to toil working in fashion closets, packing trunks, steaming clothes. Um, Karina, you're a former fashion intern, (laughs) um, and you did, like, a fraction of what I think you know, you would do maybe at a print magazine or like in the 90s before um, 
the internet was really a thing, but uh, you know, you used to have to really toil to work your way up in the fashion industry, and that's not the case anymore. Or at least it doesn't seem that way. It sort of seems like people decide, I'm going to be an Instagram fashion star, and I'm going to start this feed, and I'm going to wear all my fancy clothes, and then I'm going to be famous. And people have a visceral reaction to that. And I talked in the piece about, you know, why why is that? Because I used to be that person, and part of the reason that is, which I think is so interesting, is just the way we perceive women in society and society reacts negatively to women who self-promote mm-hmm. uh, you know studies show this it's it's really quite fascinating um, but you know I think that like for me personally my my feelings on self-promotion just working as an internet editor for so long have changed because I feel like the internet is a place where anyone can kind of be a star and anyone can kind of be their own brand and at least my career advice to online editors is you know it's great for you to go into your job interviews having some kind of social media presence because that's something that I look for when young women come in uh, interviewing for editorial jobs at Cosmo. And you talk in your piece one thing that I think is particularly particularly interesting is you really do talk about it, even if you're not an Instagram star, even if you're working a more traditional job, that these things can be an asset. Like you say, that can make you a more valuable employee or more valuable to your boss if you can bring 100,000 Instagram followers to the table. Um, And so, you know, you're talking about hiring. You hire all the time at Cosmopolitan.com. Is that, you know, how do you feel about that? Like if someone comes in and they have no social footprint, is that a deal breaker to you? It's a deal breaker to me if the person is uh, fresh out of college. I feel like, you know, when I started my career, social media was not a fact. It was a thing that was new, and we were sort of like, should we do this? And I remember, I don't know, Patty, like if you remember when you joined Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I remember joining Twitter and I was like, should I do this? Like, I don't know. Is it gross to be on Twitter? And now it's like, who cares? Everyone has to be on Twitter if you're right. a journalist because that's where the news media just is. Um, but I feel like, you know, if you came up in college with social media being so influential on media, like, you better you better get it. Right. Because um, it's so crucial to at least what we do on Cosmo. Right. I do kind of always, like, make this joke that it's a bit like, if you don't have a social media presence at this day and age, at least some some kind of presence, it's almost like being the person in the yearbook where it's, like, not pictured. And, you know, there's always, like, two class weirdos that, like, never <laughs> submit their photo to the yearbook. And it's sort of like, you know, just you're not part of the conversation. Like, you aren't part of the sort of collective memory of this experience if you're not broadcasting things. But so, Patty, this is the point where I want to flip to yeah. you because you probably feel completely differently than I do as a self-described narcissist. No, it's not that I feel... I Okay, first of all, this isn't like one of these people who are like, I don't watch television. Like, I don't want to come off as a snob about people who self-promote. Right. I think it's fine if you do, but I also think it's fine if I don't. And it's interesting that you brought up your book because a lot of this whole conversation even just brings up kind of like high school anxiety for me because the reason why I'm so repulsed by the whole thing is because it feels like we're recreating high school now. Right. And then there are certain people who you're like, yeah, you seem cool on social media, but I know you're stupid. I know you peaked on social media right now. (laughs) And then it's like, and and I feel like maybe maybe this is my own narcissism is that I feel like I'm so fucking cool that you're going to have to know me to get my (laughs) coolness, okay? I'm not giving it to you. Like maybe I'm the ultimate narcissist here because I feel like I'm too good for You're so cool. (laughs) It cannot be captured in Instagram. I love that. But see, here we go to high school again because clearly I'm like, I I don't, I'm like, I'm 
defending myself so much. There's like there's I think there's a lot of like mental angst going on with the whole thing for me. And then in terms of getting hired, I mean Amy hired me and I had no social media presence when she hired me. I'm always coming in last in our rankings of who has the most Twitter followers <laughs> and who tweeted the most. We do this at Cosmo is rank uh, the staff based on their tweets and whatnot and other stuff. Um, because I want you guys to tweet and be Twitter stars. Right, right. And I really appreciate that. But you did hire me despite my lack of a presence, and that's probably because of the role I play. I do think writers, I'm more of an editor than a writer, and I think writers do need to have a social presence. But I will warn people, you can assign something to somebody who is hilarious and funny and charming on Twitter, and they can not file on time, and they can be terrible long-form writers, they could be shallow thinkers. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to be great at what they do. Sure. And I think that's very true. It's always, you know, there's always this, you know, we all know that social media is fake, but I think that's especially true when you're thinking about writers, like someone you would actually hire to do a job for you just because they can write a funny, like 140 character thing that was retweeted 115 times doesn't necessarily mean that they have the same skill set that somebody who spent years not tweeting but knows how to write a story, you know, you can't really compare those two things. Right. And it's like, even look at, like, Rob Delaney was a Twitter star. His brand of humor on Twitter is completely different than his brand of humor on his show Catastrophe, which I'm obsessed with everyone. Right. Uh, My point being that it's sort of like the fake version of you. Right. It doesn't mean that when you get hired to do something different, you're going to actually bring that version of you to the table. Sure. He's my, we've talked about this before, he's my favorite person to follow on Twitter. I think he's so funny. I'm obsessed with him. I love how he has all these different, like, wacky personas. He's a genius. Genius. But um, one thing that we've sort of talked about before is this idea of, like, how important is it to have a following and, like, you can buy followers. I've never actually done this, but supposedly on, like, Amazon.com, I could buy, like, 10,000 bots to follow me on Twitter. And I know Amy and I have talked about this because Amy just wrote her first book, Tales from the Back Row. And, you know, you've sort of talked about the idea of it is important when you're landing book deals and things like this. People do look at your social following. I think if I ever wanted to write a book, which I don't, I think I would just go to <laughs> Amazon and buy the 10,000 bots. And, like, I think there's a feeling like, oh, that's, like, you shouldn't do that. That's cheating. And it's, like... Well, if you can buy that for $50 and it's going to help you get a book deal, isn't it kind of stupid not to do that? Isn't it akin to, like, my mom always telling me when you're running for student body president, like, you vote for yourself. You know that thing that you have to be told, like, don't vote for your friend. Don't feel bad about voting for yourself. I feel like buying Twitter followers is voting for yourself. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, I I totally get your theory about doing that in order to get the deal. But then the problem is when you need to sell the books and they're all fake. (laughs) (laughs) And I should also say I haven't actually done it. I'm sort of like being I'm taking this argument and pretending like the only thing that matters is buying Twitter followers. Maybe I should do it right now. The other problem is, is when you have to go to sleep at night and you have to think (laughs) about who the fuck you are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for you, I I honestly wouldn't care. I don't know. It's funny. Because, like, selling a book, not to, like, only talk about my book, but, like, I've never had to sell anything to anybody before. And it's so hard. Right. It's really, really hard. And, like, I've been telling people writing a book is the hardest thing I've ever done because authors inevitably get so involved in their own promotion because I'm not a celebrity. I'm not, you know, a movie star. It's not, I'm not Mindy Kaling. Like Mindy Kaling's book comes out this week and it's number three in the Amazon store. Right. Like for me, if I can be in the top 10,000, I'm, I'm in a really good place. And even that is really hard to do. But, um, I mean, selling, it's just, it's really hard when you have something to promote. And it's like, I sort of, not that I feel bad for actresses, but like I sort of sympathize with them, like having to go on, like 
talk shows and talk about their projects and like all of the dumb things that they have to do to promote like get you to see a movie like it's hard to get people to pay money to see something that you created sure and like you know that's actually a really good point with you know talking about actresses like that whole idea of like when they're doing those press rounds and they're saying the same sound by to a million different outlets over and over and over again that's because that makes them more valuable if their movie opens at number one or exceeds expectations. You know, if you're a bankable actress, that's going to help you get future roles. I think, Patty, I don't know, you're the expert on the entertainment industry. Yeah, well, I think that this is where social media for them comes in more in handy because I think that the reason that system is flawed, the junket system where you're hearing them say the same sound bites over and over again, is because it's so far from authenticity, which is what consumers crave from their celebrities and what social media allows them to possibly present uh, the public with is that authenticity. Um, so yeah, I feel for them. They have to do this stuff, but I don't know that they're necessarily doing it right or that junkets are the right way to do them because after a while, fans know that they're repeating the same thing over and over again. I think that I think it's impossible to have a conversation with, about self-promotion and not talk about that idea of authenticity because it's we know everything we put out on social media is fake, but at the same time, like it has to feel real or like be a believable lie. I don't know, Krina, I feel like this is a good time to throw to you, and um, you should talk a little bit about, before we force you to come work at Cosmo for us and be a brilliant social genius, you know, when you were a student at FIT, you were maintaining a blog and an Instagram account. Talk a little bit about how that came about and how you had to hustle to sort of promote that. Yeah, so um, basically when I was a freshman at FIT, I felt really basic, and uh, (laughs) yeah, so I mean, all things for me, I guess, stem from insecurity. Which is fine, um, but the root of all self-promotion <laughs> insecurity. That is true. <laughs> like, yeah, real talk though. Um, and I noticed that a lot of like the really avant-garde-looking girls all had blogs, and they would like never pay for their clothes. They would just have shit sent to them. And um, I guess I just like wanted to be thought of at the same level as all of them. So wait, is that really true that you can be an FIT student and then just like find a way to get people to send you clothes? If you have like a blog, which like every FIT student has a blog, it doesn't have to be like good or no. I got a lot of free clothes, and <laughs> like, I don't think mine was good. <laughs> like, what kind of stuff did you get? Um, I got a lot of like mainstream stuff, which I was fine with. Um, what does that mean, though? Like mainstream small brands. Stuff. Like, they'll send you jeans. Yeah. They'll send you, like, mm-hmm. like Arrow Postel. Yeah. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Which actually makes so much sense for brands because, again, brands want to feel authentic. And mm-hmm. so what is more authentic than having, like, a cool girl who lives in New York City and goes to FIT who's, like, talking about her clothes in a really fun, chatty way? Like, that feels like you're getting it into the hands of people that are cool that you want wearing your clothes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's so smart for the, I think that's so smart for the brands to do it. But like, I think like Karina, I wanted to bring you on to this episode because I knew you would be honest. I mean, I think that's the draw for a lot of people that start off doing this. Like, how can you resist that? Like, I want people to send me free stuff. I want free makeup. I want free handbags. I want to get flown around the world to do X, Y, and Z things. Yeah. And it's like being like your own little like internet celebrity. Like all my friends who are popular on Instagram, like, I don't know. It was just it was like they were celebrities like they would get flown places they would get stuff sent to them all the time that was like higher quality or just like more stuff or like they would make a ton of like pocket money doing that and I started my blog like basically wanting that and um it was cool it was it was fun it was an experience I got to go to fashion week which like I feel really bad for I guess now because I don't think like looking back I deserve to be there I don't think I deserve to even be in like the standing row because like it was all about like 
the Instagram and like letting people know that I was there. And it's like, I didn't ever take notes about the shows. And it was just like, I feel like a lot of lower tier bloggers don't need to be there. That's interesting. You feel like you sort of like cheated the system in a way. Yeah. And um, probably like now working at Cosmopolitan.com and you've worked your way up in the fashion industry and you have this job now, like you probably sort of see like, you know, Charles Manning, our style editor at Cosmo, like how he's been like busting his ass for a decade or whatever. And yeah. it's sort of like that feels very different than like, oh, I have this Instagram account. Yeah. And um, no, and it's just like, again, the whole thing with like buying followers, it's like there's like always like rumor mills like, oh, so-and-so bought her followers. And it's just like, I think ultimately for me, it was just, and I guess going back to like your thing that you were talking about where everyone like lives their best life on social media and it is to an extent fake, it just gets hard to upkeep that if that's not like really who you are or like if you like don't want to be aspirational 25-7, like it's just going to be difficult to like keep up so from the editors of cosmopolitan.com this is the cosmo happy hour with elisa benson welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it you're listening to the cosmo happy hour with elisa benson you guys, when I was 15, I started an online magazine. I was 15 a million years ago, but I started an <laughs> online magazine that was sent out to people on AOL through email. It was called Pizzazz. But this was a big thing that girls would start these like little online magazines and email them around. And like I would go to the 17.com message boards and be like, if anyone wants to subscribe to my... Basically, what I'm saying is I invented the email newsletter. <laughs> but um, I remember... So this was a popular thing that a lot of people were doing on the internet in 2000 or like 99 or whatever it would Ben, 90, whatever, it doesn't matter. I won't age myself. But the point is, there were these <laughs> other girls, they were twins in Florida, and they ran an email newsletter that was one of the ones that had like a bazillion subscribers called Girl Talk. And they had a P.O. box. You could contact them at their P.O. box. And I was like, that means you've made it. Like, if you have a P.O. box. So I feel like that was my first taste of like, and you know, this was pre-Instagram, pre-everything social media, like AOL, you've got mail days. And it was like, oh, like there is an advantage to sort of putting yourself out there and promoting yourself. And like, I remember a thing, which I sort of feel proud of in a weird way looking back, but what we would do with our little email newsletter is I would like reach out to, you know, Steve Madden, for instance. And I was like, I run this email newsletter with 3000 subscribers. Like, would you give a free pair of shoes so we can do a contest? And they were sort of like, okay. And then I was just like, wow, this is so cool. Like Steve Madden is giving me a pair of shoes that I can mail to someone. I feel like I know so much more about you now. And that <laughs> this is your destiny. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like, it's so weird because I always wanted to, I basically always wanted to do what I was doing now. So for me, like that early foray into it, I feel like really was career building. And like, you know, it sounds so stupid, but really did like launch my career even back before the time of really having like internet stars because I had my little online magazine and I would write to Cosmo Girl and say like oh like do you need any like cool teens to do like X, Y, and Z and like that sort of helped me like go down the road of internships and stuff like that. Anyway like I'm telling this long boring story about myself because this is an episode about self-promotion. <laughs> Isn't that cool 15 year old Elisa was? Um, but I want so switching the topic a little bit I want to ask you guys if you like have a favorite moment in your recollection like pop culture real world ever like a favorite self-promotion moment and I'm going to start because I have two examples so one I'm obsessed with Kim Kardashian but I'm 
specifically obsessed with the selfish book. I just love the idea of like having the balls to be like, I'm going to publish this like high end, beautiful art book of all my selfies. I feel like that is the dream. That is the self promotion dream. My other one is um, the Silento Watch Me song. Like, I don't know why, but I was at a wedding this weekend and we just like couldn't stop getting ready to that song because we're like old people. So it's like months after it came out. Now we're obsessed with it. But I just love how it starts off and he says, You already know who it is. <laughs> like, isn't that the best? I'm going to start answering my phone that way. I'm just going to say, you already know who it is. <laughs> so do you guys have a favorite? That's kind of what I think about. Like, that's where we're at in 2015, publishing your selfies from your phone and just starting your song and saying, you already know who it is. I like that song, that selfie song. Well, I don't like it, but yeah. I think it's just like ridiculous and it's so emblematic of the time that we live in. Yes. I think they played it at my wedding last year and I was upset about it. <laughs> but but now you would be like, that's everything. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I maybe if I had like five martinis, I would get up and dance to it. Sure. And the whole thing of that song was to promote it. They ta- they took these real selfies that people had submitted to be part of the video, which I think is genius. You know, you're incorporating sort of this like user generated moment into the video, and then all the people featured in it, of course, are going to share it. So yeah, I think that's like, you know, we wouldn't have been we wouldn't have been able to do that in the same way a few years ago, and it feels like a very 2015. I, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. So brilliant, and a commentary on like the selfie culture. I love selfies, and also a commentary on how bitchy we all are. Yeah, and judgmental of other people, which goes back to my earlier point about like how we look down on women who self-promote. Like the lyrics in that song are like, "Ew, can you believe what she's wearing?" Stuff like that. Right, right. Which is just so real. Like Elisa, you and I had to go to the um, Harper's Bazaar Icons party, which was the Fashion Week party. Uh, the other night, and it was like with the Hadid sisters and Kareen Reutfeld and I don't know, Mariah Carey, Katy Perry. Um, and everywhere I looked, someone was taking a selfie or doing something on their phone, and I was just like rolling my eyes. Right. But it's not like we were any different. Right, right. Of course, of course. We were like 100% part of the problem. And I do think that's there's that feeling like you get to go to this cool party, but like it's not real if you, can, if you can't capture it. I am I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift, and I went to her concert over the weekend, and I made a rookie mistake, which is that I showed up and realized to my horror that my battery was on 18%. <gasps> Like, can you even? So it forced me to actually watch Taylor Swift. I took, like, five photos before my phone died, and that was it. But, like, you know, it was so fun. It was, like, the best night of my life. But I felt like there was something very real about that. Like, oh, I'm actually here to enjoy this. I'm not just going to record the whole thing and have this, like, piece of crap video. Wait, didn't that make it better for you? <laughs> it did It did make it, it did make it better. But, like, I also have to say I have so much joy out of, like, the two pictures I was able to post to Instagram. Right. So maybe it's, like two is the limit that you should put on yourself when you're at a show. Take two photos and then like actually live it. Right. And then like put your phone away. But I I don't know. I work in social media so I'm a bit of a defender of this. I do think that is part of like if I was really going to defend it and go hard on the defense I would say that capturing these moments as they're happening is part of how we experience them. And like being at that party and being able to snap you know like it was fun to try to snap those photos of Bella and of, you know, Kate Upton. Like, it was fun to try to do that. Like, it felt like part of the experience. No, no, no <laughs> comments, no comments. No, I think it is part of the experience. I just think it's like there could be a limitation on it. And you're acting like you're the type to spam people with everything that you do, but you're actually so good at social media because I don't feel like you're aggressively attacking me with your 
one billion Taylor Swift photos. It was the one photo, and then Aggressively I was like, attack. and then it's like, it's like, I need to ask Elisa IRL about this Taylor about Swift this. show. Sure, and there is like, we should speak to this sort of part of it of like the shyness about. Oh, actually, on the note of shyness at the Taylor Swift concert, I thought it was so interesting, and people have people much smarter than me have written about this. But the first thing she says in the 1989 World Tour when she comes out is, "Hi, I'm Taylor." Like it's this very sort of like. You know, like, wouldn't it be great if she, you are, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I think there's something sort of very stereotypically feminine about this sort of understated, I mean, this is her world tour. She's done, how many headlining world tours has she done? A I handful. Know, we need Eliza. Exactly. But um, Eliza, our other entertainment editor, but, you know, she's done a handful of these. Like, she doesn't need to come out and sort of, hi, I'm Taylor, but that's very much part of her persona, and I think very representative of that box women get put into, of even when you were a global phenomenon and a headlining world tour, this feeling of still needing to come out there um, and play the part a little. I read that more as she's trying to create a sense of intimacy sure. and, uh, and we're all friends hanging out here because then throughout the rest of the show she constantly has these interludes where she's talking about wanting to know you and wanting you to feel good. And Absolutely. So sort of like a one-to-one connection yeah. even though she's playing to, to stadiums also it's not just a, it doesn't have to just be a male female thing because right. she's clearly ripping off Johnny Cash right Hello. oh oh Johnny Cash oh good one okay. Well, I think I was kind of thinking coming into this about other talk about a flashback Friday. Exactly, <laughs> flashback Friday. I'm old, <laughs> but I was thinking about other examples of artists, and the only other one I could think of was actually Jason Derulo, who does not do it anymore. But he used to so- start every song with a like auto tune of his name. But then, oh, this is the other example is like Britney, like that I'm Britney bitch, mm-hmm. which I love, but was not early Britney. That's more like twenty. That feels different onward. to me than Hi, I'm Taylor. Right. But just thinking in general about, I think it's all. I think it's all different. And we, if we had hours and hours and hours, we could pick this apart. But just sort of the way the artists present themselves and like taking ownership of your art and how much of Jason Derulo releasing a song, how much is that about creating this great radio friendly hit that's gonna like get people moving in the club, and how much of it is about saying like I need to specifically tie this to me and to like my brand. Does that make sense? I had a friend, actually, who um, I remember I was, like, helping her study for her art history exam or, like, she was helping me or something. And um, I guess there's, like, and I'm, like, totally going to butcher this reference because I don't really know what I'm talking about. Sure, sure. Um, But it was, like, I guess, like, I want to say, like, Dutch paintings or something. Like, sometimes, like, the artist paints themselves painting the painting. Right. And she said that it was, like, Jason Derulo singing his name at the beginning of every song. (laughs) And I, like, always remembered that. And I feel like it's, like, just really funny, like, the translation between that. Like, Well, sure. And just the idea that, like, in some ways, self-promotion is, like, you know, old as humanity itself. Yeah. For sure. For sure. To be alive is to promote yourself, I guess. Well, it is now. Right, right, right. More so than ever. Um, I think one thing I also kind of wanted to touch on is the idea of, like, the sort of changing idea of, like, self-promotion. And, like, people much smarter than me have also written about this, but I'm going to use Mindy Kaling as an example. And sort of the idea of, like, her specific brand of humor is sort of to be very obsessed with herself at the same time being very open about sort of, like, you know, being a hot mess. And I think that's a very modern sort of take on self-promotion that I think a lot of the funny women, Tina Fey and Mindy Kaling, that we all love, this sort of idea of being simultaneously obsessed with yourself but also being really open about being a dumpster. Do you guys sort of see that as being an 
I don't know, is being different from the way people maybe a decade ago were talking about themselves? Well, I think it's like it's it's interesting that whole I'm a dumpster thing or I'm I'm a mess. I don't I don't think Mindy Kaling's a mess. I don't think Amy Schumer's sure. a mess. I think if you're really a mess, you're sort of like so crippled by how much of a mess you are, you can't actually tweet about it. So right. I think that goes back to there's maybe a nugget of truth in there, right? But that's like the version of yourself you want to put out there. Um, to answer your question, whether or not it's changed, I. I don't. I don't actually know. Right. I mean, yeah, I do think that that's a, a trend now, but I don't know. I think it's just because now we have Twitter to hear everybody's stories about how they put their shirt on inside out today. Right. Right. Well, it actually <laughs> happens all. It happens all the time on Twitter. Like it's like people love to tweet about like, "Oops, I dumped coffee on myself." Like, right. like I'm such a hot mess. Like there's sort of like a weird like. I think that's just a weird evolution. Like, when did it become that you, like, brag about that? I think that women in particular probably feel pressure to be self-deprecating because, again, it's like society penalizes women for bragging about their accomplishments. Right. Like, for every woman in a position of power who is self-promoting, she has a lot of haters. And I that's... It's not the same for men. Right. So for women, you have to walk that line between, you know, I, th- I think I was even thinking about that when I was tweeting about the first episode of our podcast, which was last week, and that we're all super excited about and want to be successful. But I tweeted out like, oh, I'm hosting a podcast. Like, now you can listen to my Valley Girl, like, slang, like, all day long. You know, there was this feeling of, like, I can't just be like, listen to this amazing thing I'm doing. You know, you have to, like, take yourself down a notch. But that's in part because you know what people respond to. Right. And so it's not just what I, I'm tweeting it this way for this reason because of something inside of me. It's because you know what social media audiences respond to. And they respond more to that than if you were just like, hey, listen to my podcast. What's the hook? What's the personality? Right. So it's sort of a combination of like feeling like a woman and maybe being a little shy about it, but also knowing it's very trendy to throw <laughs> in that self. Oh, my God. The, the layers. The layers right. of self-promotion. <laughs> we can't escape it. I mean, like, when I was writing my book, it's a self-deprecating book, and if you look at the Amazon reviews, not that I'm reading them anymore, because, you, like, that God, no. Yeah. Um, but, like, some one some of the, like, headlines of the re- reviews are, like, funny and self-deprecating. It, like, people are praising it for being self-deprecating, and that is something that I've had called out a lot about it, and, you know, I, I was really careful to do that and to do it a lot, because... Who wants to hear, like, I'm fabulous, I went to a fashion show and I talked to celebrities, which is what the book is about. Right. Um, Like, I would have been annoyed with that person if it wasn't done in the right way, which is not, I'm not saying that's fair, it's just, like, how we are. Right. Like, I'm fascinated about why that is. Why we want to be self-deprecating? No, why we don't want women to just be like, I'm great. Right, like you would rather, I mean, I, I guess in some ways for the masses, it's, you know, more relatable, the idea of feeling a bit like a fish out of water. Like, I even say, you know, like going back to the whole high school thing, like, does anyone really feel like the popular girl, like, did the most popular girl in high school really feel like the most popular girl in high school? I think everyone sort of feels like a fish out of water, and I think that is what made your book relatable, is that you, I mean, literally the title, Tales from the Back Row, you're talking about this very exclusive and glamorous industry, but from the perspective of someone that did didn't feel like she belonged. And right. I think people relate to that. Right. Well, I hope so. <laughs> um, Amy, what was sort of like, were you given specific do's and don'ts in terms of like, you know, you've been working on this book for years. You knew it was coming out September 1st. Were you given specific do's and don'ts about like, this is how you promote yourself? 
No, not at all, actually. Um, I have gone through media training, just being in the position that I am at Cosmo and then in previous jobs. I've had media training, like, I think uh, the past, including this job, like the past three jobs I've had, I've had some kind of media training. And um, I don't know. I can't say that, like, you really, the best thing about media training, I guess, is, and it's really like for going on TV, because going on TV is actually a lot harder than it looks, at least it is for me. Um, but the best thing about it is that it forces you to watch yourself and say, oh, I have this weird nervous tick that is distracting from what I'm saying. Um, but no, like no one sat me down and was like, this is how you sell your book. Right. Um, so, and I don't even know. I was so busy, like, trying to finish it and get it out um, and promote it that I don't even know that I really thought that hard about, like, what is the most selling way to, to get this book out there? I think, you know, every book has blurbs on it which are like quotes from usually other authors on the back of a book. And we thought we could think harder about those because we had more time. Um, I don't know. When I was talking to the, the publicist from my publisher, Simon & Schuster, uh, the other day, and she was like, I did a radio interview. And she was like, I thought it was great. It was really selling. And I was like, well, OK, great. I just went and talked, but I didn't really think right, about it. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine like when an actress is going out because I'm a nobody. But if Jennifer Lawrence is going out and promoting a movie, I mean, do you think she's sitting down and saying like, "This is what I'm gonna say"? I mean, probably. Oh yeah, I think yeah. that her publicist probably knows uh, X, Y, and Z types of questions are going to be asked, and they they talk through the answers. And then sometimes you'll get an actual message from a publicist where they say, "Don't ask about this." Um, that's what they pay them for right and I think even just like promoting this play up these storylines in the movie like that it's about friendship instead of it being about their talking points right like the controversial aspect I mean not with Jennifer Lawrence but just with anything in general but I think to go back to the original the the previous conversation we had I think that's what makes everything so boring and watered down and it doesn't really work anymore I don't know no offense publicists Right, right. Well, people love people love a wild card. I agree with you. It's like people want authenticity, and I think that's why people are so drawn to shameless self-promoters on the internet, because the best ones, I guess it seems like they would be doing this anyway. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Like, that's why people love Jennifer Lawrence, because she says things that are unexpected. And it's so... Like, stars have become so canned, and I think actresses in particular, I think pop stars are different, but I feel like they become so canned that it's just like, if Jennifer Lawrence is on the red carpet and is like, God, I'm so hungry, I just wanted a Philly cheesesteak right now, or whatever she said at the Oscars at one time, like, that's such a huge moment because everyone is so composed and so canned that, like, no one ever says anything real. Yeah, but then it turned around on her, and mm-hmm. to be clear, we all love Jennifer Lawrence, but it turned around on her where the second time she fell, I think it was the second time on a red carpet, the internet actually wondered, is she fake falling? Is she now faking her authenticity? And... That's such a mind fuck to have to wonder, is now my authenticity so authentic that people think it's inauthentic? And I do not know why people want to subject themselves to that. I don't know. Right, right. There's a way, there's so a you're way. not going to be the next J-Law? <laughs> no. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Uh, but, but Mindy Kaling is a great example of somebody who does it very well because she's, she, you're right, she's very self-deprecating, but there's a whole chapter in her book, her new book, about how... Um, people always ask her how do you get how did you get so confident and she says confidence is earned and she explains all the work that she put into her career and in that respect she's like very serious but then there's another chapter about how stars get to look the way stars look and she's like um i sit under this face mask for this long i have extensions and so that's the realness that people crave 
but uh, or the messiness that people crave, I guess. But I think when it comes down to it, um, people who are super successful work really, really hard. And Amy, you're another example of that. Uh, you may self-promote, you may write funny tweets and Instagram things, but you also worked for years on your book. I don't know. Right, right, right. And like I always say, like we talk about this all the time, but like I don't even know how you ran Cosmopolitan.com and also wrote a book. That sounds impossible. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm just really tired. It's kind of all I can think about <laughs> I right now. You were to say I'm just really talented. <laughs> just no, really I can't talented. say that because then you would all hate me. No, I wouldn't. I like people to just be frank. I got here because I'm the shit and I'm smart. <laughs> What's but I also feel like you said confidence, or Mindy said confidence is earned. Like talent is in some ways also earned. Sure. You know, it's like, Elisa, you're a social media, like... Expert. Yeah, like expert, <laughs> and like you're amazing at it, but it's not just, you know, like you learned a lot along the way, yeah. as, as did I. Yeah, I did so not you have wake to, up like this. Yeah, you have to want to become good at what you do. Like, I mean... It's ironic that this is like a segment in part about narcissism that has also devolved into how we all like to be so self-deprecating. It's like, how is this narciss- How is it narcissism to be like, oh my God, I just shit myself today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I was, um, I want to tell another story about myself because I'm such a narcissist, but like one time, um, my, this is like an inside joke with my friends that like one time I said, and I was being completely serious because I actually believe this, but I was like, I look good in all colors. <laughs> like it was like, all colors are flattering on me. <laughs> okay, even the colors in the Kanye West Yeezus Show. Yes, <laughs> especially brown. Especially the like brown monochromatic. No, probably not that. But yeah, I like said that in a moment of complete seriousness, and my friends called me out on it, and now it's become a joke. But I maintain that it's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is sort of an aside, but I was dying because the other day we were talking about our our coverage of the Yeezus show where Kanye just showed all those horrible brown clothes. And you were joking about the, how you were going to put it on Facebook or the headline or something. And you were like, yeah, what? I mean, what can we say? Here's a bunch of brown clothes. <laughs> Here's a bunch of brown clothes. <laughs> exactly. Um, he, that is an expert in self-promotion, though, Kanye. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. And he goes everywhere in, in a fucking tan sweatsuit now. <laughs> but, but see, what I like about him is that he, okay, obviously he's uh, tweeted a lot, but he doesn't tweet regularly he tweets in spurts and what he does is he does things that force other people to tweet about him and other people to write about him isn't that it's brilliant so well he's living the dream right well that's <laughs> what I'm saying it's like what I don't know no it's like you're so when you're so good at self-promotion that other people that you no longer have to do it other people promote you that's not being good at self-promotion that's being good at creating content Right, 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 like right. creating buzz. It's being famous. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being like a good famous. Um, we have to wrap up, but I, Patty, Karina, I'm not letting you guys off the hook. You have to say your favorite self-promotion moment ever. Oh, you know, I really was looking forward to being let off the hook of this. I'm going to have to steal your Kim Kardashian selfie book because uh, I actually sat down and tried to read it and um there's wait there's there, words in it there are words in it and and i wanted so i was just like it was so great and so brilliant that i i read it and i was just like loving looking only at pictures of her and that's kind of weird for me i loved it it was brilliant i think it's like a moment in time i love it okay karina um i was going to say jason derulo actually yes when he <laughs> sings his own name i didn't know that he no longer does it though I think he was sort of gave an interview an interview about being like, you know, it's phase two. Oh. He's like, <laughs> you already know that. who it is. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, I love him. Okay, so I feel obligated to end this all by saying follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Elisa Benson. 
I'm literally having to look up my Twitter handle. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm Patty, at, this at, is unacceptable. I'm at Patty Greco. I was seeing if my middle initial was in it. I am at <laughs> Patty. I am at Patty Greco. Patty with an I. Patty with an I. <laughs> and Greco, G R E C O. Find to sell this, Patty. Exactly. I'm at Patty Greco. By spelling it. P A T T I G R E C O. Follow me. <laughs> I'm at Karina, C A R I N A, last name H S I E H because you would never guess that from the way it's pronounced. I'm at Amy O'Dell, A-M-Y-O-D-E-L-L. Okay, come say hi, and we'll be so busy and important that we won't have time to ever respond. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I try to engage with everyone who tweets with me, so please tweet me. Yes, tweet us all. All right, thanks, guys. See you next week. is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.